Today we're going to be dealing with mankind's oldest problem. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. What are we talking about? What is man's oldest problem? Temptation. According to the Bible, it is not a sin to be tempted. It's only become sin when we give in to the temptation. Amen? We cause our problems most of the time by making unwise choices and decisions. And we have to be responsible for that. What bait does Satan use to entice you? He knows your weaknesses and he hides the hook inside. You see, you and I are free to make choices. God has given us a free will. We are free to choose which bait we take or not. But we are not free to choose the consequences. You won't be able to say no to temptation until you say yes to Jesus. When temptation comes knocking at your door, who answers? You or Jesus? Morning. morning. Take out your Bibles, turn to the book of James this morning. James chapter 1, we'll continue our series called How Faith Works. We're going verse by verse through the book of James, one of the most practical books in all the Bible. People have called this the how-to book on Christian living. As you're finding your way there this morning, I want to uh, bring you guys up to speed on some exciting news. In case you have not heard, uh, we've been praying about the 38 acres of land right next door here to Prairie View High School um, for over a year now. And we had a night of worship last Sunday night. And during that night of worship, we had a business meeting. And our church 100% unanimously voted to purchase the entire 38 acres. And we are under contract as a church right now. Can we praise God for that? We, um, we originally thought we were just going to get a portion of that land, eight, eight to ten acres, but God had other plans. I don't have time to go into all the details this morning. I'd really encourage you guys to go to our website, orchardchurch.tv, or go to our Facebook page, and there is a link on there where you can watch about a 15-minute video where we explain everything and what we're doing as a church, that business meeting. But we're super excited about this opportunity. Uh, we've already uh, put up, we're going to be putting up over half the money for this land at closing, and then the owner's going to carry uh, the rest of the the payment for six months, no interest, no payments. And so we're praying and, and trusting God and believing we're going to be able to have hopefully this entire land paid for uh, in the next about six to six to eight months. Would that be cool, church, if we could do that? So, yes, praise God. If you are looking for a great place to put some money as a tax do donation here at the end of the year, let us know. we got a great place that you could do that. So go online and watch that. We're super excited about this land and what God's going to do. We're hoping, Lord willing, about this time of year from now, we're going to be breaking ground. So we're excited about that. How many of you guys, uh, as we look at our message this morning, how many of you would like God to bless you? Raise your hand. You'd like God to bless you. All our hands should be up. Yeah. Well, today we're going to learn how to be blessed by God. And one of the ways that God blesses us is through the Bible. How to be blessed by the Bible is our title today. You know, we have Bibles everywhere today. There are Bibles in bookstores and motel rooms. You can buy a Bible at Sam's, Costco, Walmart. Uh, you can get them on Amazon. They come in all sizes, shapes, editions, translations. A lot of us have the Bible on our phone. We've got Bible apps. We can carry the Bible around. Every year, the Bible outsells every bestseller. Uh, last year alone, there were over 500 Bibles copied and published in over 1,800 different languages. I mean, today in America, there's more opportunity to hear God's word than any time in all of history. And there are seminars, there's books, there's videos, there's CDs, there's radio, TV, podcasts, internet. We have all of this unprecedented access to God's word today like never before. Yet, what is sad is many people like never before are missing the blessing 
of God's Word. We have it, but are we being blessed by it? The Bible is a tremendous book of blessing. It includes tremendous, incredible benefits, uh, power, comfort, wisdom, strength, guidance, purpose for our life, and peace. But the blessing of the Bible is not automatic. Not, you don't have the blessing of the Bible just because you own one or you have access to one. And so James is going to show us today how to be blessed by the Bibles that we have. The key verse is in James chapter 1 verse 25 in this passage. And James says this, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's, that's the Bible he's describing, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but is a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he knows. Is that what it says? Blessed in what he hears? No, blessed in what he does. James is going to tell us today the blessing of the Bible is in what we do with the Bible that we have. So if we're going to be blessed by God's word, there's three steps that we need to take to make sure we're blessed by all these Bibles we have access today. So I hope you'll take some notes. The first step is this. If we're going to be blessed by the Bible, you must receive God's word properly. You must receive God's word. Look at verse 21. Chapter 1, verse 21, James says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and... What's the next word? Receive. Everybody say receive. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This word receive comes from the Greek word dekomai. It's a hospitality word. It means to welcome God's word, to receive it like a stranger, to say, come on in. We're looking forward to you. We're excited about you being here. James also describes in verse 21 that we need to receive the implanted word. That's a gardening term. You know, have you ever noticed why is it that you can take the same seed, plant it in different locations and different types of soil, and some grows and flourishes and some doesn't? You see, because some people are prepared to receive God's word and some people are not prepared. And we must be prepared to receive God's word if we're going to be blessed by God's word. I learned this the hard way as far as planting seed. Uh, when we were living in Indiana, we had a small house built and they gave us a front yard, but they, they gave us no backyard. And I don't know what it was with Indiana, but they weren't really big on buying turf. Most people there just bought grass seed and planted grass seed. And so, you know, my friends just said, well, you just need to go get some grass seed and put it out there in your backyard and water it and it'll grow. And so I was like, okay, sounds good enough to me. So I go and I bought some grass seed and I went out in my, my uh, you know, dirt there and I just start sprinkling seed everywhere and I turned the water on. A couple days later, I looked out and it was all gone. The birds had eaten it. The wind had come up, blew it away. I had no yard. And what I realized was I didn't prepare the soil to receive the seed. And that's the illustration James is giving here. We have to prepare our hearts, the, our spiritual soil, to receive God's word so we can be blessed by God's word. I mean, it's interesting that we can have all these people come to Orchard Church on a Sunday and hear God's word. And some people are blessed by what they hear and others say, eh, I didn't really get anything out of it. And it's about how we receive God's word. So James helps us. If we're going to be blessed by God's word, we've got to properly receive God's word. He gives us four what I'm going to call hearing aids. How to hear and receive God's word properly. We have to have the right attitude to receive it properly. To prepare yourself to receive God's word. So here they are. You have them in your notes. If we're going to receive God's word properly to be blessed by it, first we've got to be careful how we receive God's word. We've got to be careful. It means we've got to give full attention to it. Look at verse 19. James says, So then, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. James says, if you're going to receive God's word properly, you've got to be careful. You've got to be quick to listen to God's word. Be careful to listen don't, so you don't miss it. 
I read one study that said that when you listen, it lowers your blood pressure. But when you're speaking, it raises your blood pressure. So mine is very high every Sunday. It's like through the roof. I got to kind of come down a little bit. But James says to be quick to listen, you also have to be slow to speak, to be careful to receive God's word. You see, when I'm talking, I'm not listening. I know this because my wife reminds me of this all the time. You're talking, Doug, and so you're not listening. And it's true. And many of our problems in our life and challenges are because we're so quick to speak instead of quick to listen. I like the way one uh, pastor said it. God gave us two ears and one mouth. We ought to listen twice as much as we speak. I like the way another writer said it. It's better to be silent and be considered a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Those are some words to live by right there. And James says, if you're going to receive God's word properly, you have to listen carefully. You have to be careful how you listen. This is why I give you guys notes to take on Sunday morning. So you can be careful how you listen. and You can write things down. This is why it's important when you have a quiet time that you have a quiet place to hear God's word and spend time with God without distractions. To receive God's word properly, we have to be careful how we receive God's word. James gives us another thing, another, another hearing aid. We have to be calm. We have to be careful and then we have to be calm. Second part of verse 19 says we need to be slow to wrath, to be angry, to be upset. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness or being right with God. A calm and relaxed attitude increases receptiveness to other people and to what God has to say to us. The fact is we don't hear much when we're angry, do we? We don't hear much when we're upset or we're uptight. When we're angry, we're defensive and we don't hear. And bitterness can be an emotional block to hearing other people and hearing God's word. You know, somebody says, why, why won't God speak to me? Well, are you upset with God? Do you have some bitterness, some resentment? And you say, well, what's wrong with anger? I like the way Will Rogers said it. He said this, when you fly into a rage, you usually make a bad landing. <laughs> Very true. You know, I mean, how did you think about this? Were you calm as you came to church this morning? I mean, if, if your family is anything like my family, when we had little ones, especially when our kids were, were little, I mean, you know, you get up, and it seems like you're, you're rushing around, you're trying to get the kids ready, you're trying to get everybody ready, trying to get in the car, you know, the dog needs to be fed, and all these things are happening. It can be chaotic, it can be hectic. You, you rush in, you're trying to check your kids in, the line's long, you finally get in halfway through the music, and you sit down, and you're like, okay, God, speak to me. Anybody else come to church like that ever? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and we, we got to sometimes just get calm. I've noticed that, that some people in our church, they arrive early and they sit in our auditorium and they're just praying. I love that. They're preparing their hearts to worship. They're preparing their hearts to receive God's word. They're calming their spirit from the hectic life and things going on. James says these are hearing aids for good reception. We've got to be careful to receive God's word. We've got to be calm to receive God's word. And here's another one, very important. We've got to be clean. Another hearing aid. If we're going to hear God's word, we've got to be clean. Look at verse 21. James says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. If you're going to receive God's word properly and be blessed by it, you've got to be clean. You see, before seed can be planted, sometimes you've got to pull some weeds, don't you? You've got to do a little gardening. You've got to pull some weeds. He uses the, a couple of words here, filthiness and wickedness. Got to get rid of those. This word filthiness that James refers to here um, is the Greek word ruparion. It's where we get our word earwax. Now, that's filthy. That's kind of gross stuff. 
And he says, you got to get rid of the earwax. That stuff is gross. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys an illustration this morning that I did not get permission from my family to give. And I'm probably going to be in trouble for this, but it's too good an illustration not to use. And I didn't get permission. Have any of you, especially ladies, heard of this thing called ear candling? You know what I'm talking about? They do this, I guess, at high-end spas. I'd never heard of ear candling. I didn't know what it was. And one day, I come home, and my wife and daughter have these, like, cones sticking out of their ear, and they're on fire. And I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, this fire pulls the earwax out of our ears, and this is a real, you know, fancy spa thing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> They talk me into doing it like once. It's just kind of weird. But that's what James is saying here. If we're going to hear God's word and receive God's word properly and be blessed by it, then we've got to be clean. We've got to get the earwax out. The sin that may be blocking our hearing and plugging up God's word from getting in. He also uses the word wickedness. We've got to be clean from filthiness and wickedness. It, wickedness is anything that isn't right in our life that comes between us and God and his word from getting in. You say, okay, well, how do I... I mean, the Bible calls it sin. How do we get rid of the sin so that we can hear God's word and receive it properly? Well, aren't you thankful for verses like 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us, not of some, not of most, but of all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. I mean, that's a prayer we ought to all pray and a verse we ought to claim Every time we come to church, every time we go to discipleship or small group or our quiet time, that we prepare our hearts and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Make me a clean vessel ready to receive your word properly. I like the way the Living Bible describes this verse. It says, get rid of all that's wrong in your life, both inside and out. Why? So we can properly receive God's word so we can be blessed by God's word. We must be careful, we must be calm, we must be clean. And this one is very important. We must be compliant. The fourth hearing aid, to hear God's word. We must be compliant. We must be willing to change and be teachable to what God shows us. Verse 21, the second part of the verse, it says, And receive with meekness. Everybody say meekness. Now meekness doesn't mean weakness. It means humility. Meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That we're humble. That we don't act like we know it all or that we have it all together and we don't need God. We don't need His word in our life. One of the best prayers that we can pray when we come to church on Sunday morning and when we're exposed to God's word at any time in our life is say, God, show me what you want to show me today. Teach me what you need to teach me. Show me where I need to make changes. I need to make adjustments. God, I know I don't have it all together and I need you. And I need your help and I need your word to guide me. And that, that means humbling ourselves and, and being meek and, and showing some teachable humility. These are four hearing aids to prepare us to receive the blessing of God's word. Be careful, be calm, be clean, be compliant. Here's the second thing we must do. If we're going to be blessed by God's word, not only do we need to receive God's word properly, but we must reflect on God's word. We need to reflect on God's word. Look at what James says in verse 23 and 24. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man, he's going to use this illustration, He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He's using an illustration as a mirror. For he observes himself, but he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. James says God's word is like a mirror. And what's the purpose of a mirror? 
It's to evaluate ourselves. Every one of you probably got up this morning and you looked into the mirror and you assessed the damage from the night before. And you decided, I need to do something about this. Some of you had to do more than others. Some of you should have done more than others. I'm not pointing any fingers. But you look in a mirror and the mirror doesn't lie. And, and you look at what it says and you go, where do I need to make changes? Where do I need to make adjustments? You know, uh, how many of you guys have ever heard of the people of Walmart? You ever heard of that? Now, I, I believe that the videos and photos of the people of Walmart, uh, they, they couldn't have looked in the mirror before they went out of the house. Now, I, was, I did a Google search and I was going to show you guys some pictures of the people of Walmart, but about 99% of it is not appropriate for church. So you're going to have to do it on your own, okay? Then ask God to forgive you. But I did find a couple of pictures that I think I could show you that I wonder, did these people look in the mirror before they went out? Okay, here's one guy. All right. Now that is a mullet right there. I mean, you talk about an 80s mullet. That is a mullet. That's quite the outfit. Did that guy look in the mirror? Here, here's another one. Okay. Now, I, I don't know. I just call this Chewbacca hair. That's all I can think about. You know, did, did, did she check these out? Now, this next guy, I'm giving this to, to you because I just liked it. This is the most creative way to deal with baldness I've ever seen. Just, just put a tattoo of a lawnmower back there. I expect to see some of you men with that next week here at Orchard Church. But you got to wonder, people at Walmart, did they look in the mirror to make any adjustments? You know, and, and a mirror... Tells us what's wrong on the outside, but God's word is like a mirror and it tells us where we need to make adjustments on the inside. That's what James is saying here. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is, is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And it's a discerner of what's in the thoughts and the tents of our heart. It knows how to look deep inside of us and show us who we really are in light of God's word and where we need to make changes. I heard that uh, Queen Elizabeth, in her latter years of life, she had all the mirrors taken down in Buckingham Palace because she didn't want to see herself as she got older and as she aged. A lot of people are like that with the word of God. They don't want to read the word of God. They don't want to study the word of God. They don't want to look into the word of God because they're afraid of what they might see. They're afraid that they might see themselves as they really are. But James says, if you're going to be blessed by God's word, you have to be willing to look into God's word like a mirror and reflect on it. And he tells us three ways to do this here. James is so practical. We say, well, how do I do that? Well, three ways. First, you've got to read it. Verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Notice he didn't just say who looks at. He said who looks into. This is more than just a casual reading. This means you research it, you investigate it, you study it. You see, there's two ways to look at a mirror. You can glance at a mirror or you can gaze at a mirror. You know, a glance, you know, just kind of quick look. Now I'm going to pick on the teenagers. This is what teenagers do, especially girls in the mall. You walk, watch them in the mall, you know, they can't walk by a mirror without, oh, oh, you know, I mean, some guys do that too. That's another story. And so, you know, quick glance. I mean, and human nature is we all do it. How many of you guys ever gotten in an elevator, you know, and you're by yourself and there's a mirror in there? You're like, oh, yeah. Okay. You know, you look, am I the only one that does that? Okay, so I'm telling myself. We, but we glance. We take a quick glance. And that's what a lot of people do with God's Word. They just kind of take a quick glance at it. You know, okay, God, I, I'm in a real hurry. I've got a big, busy day. I give you five minutes, and they glance, and they go on. 
You know, but to gaze into a mirror is something different. It means you look at the details. And God wants us to gaze on, not glance at his word. I want us to spend some time in here. Let me give you something very practical to help you guys. When you read God's word, let's say you read a passage or a chapter for the day. Here's two questions that you can ask yourself. And I've taught this to a lot of people. We teach in discipleship. You know, you can, you can have a journal and do this. Here's a way so you don't just glance at God's word, but you gaze on God's word and really get something out of it. When you read God's word, you should ask, or you hear a message here at church, ask yourself these two questions. Number one, what was the most meaningful thing that I heard? What was most meaningful? What, what verse, what truth, what promise? What do I need to change? What was the most meaningful thing? And number two, how will I apply it to my life? If you do that, you'll get more out of the Word of God and you'll receive a blessing. What was most meaningful to me and how do I apply it to my life? In order to reflect on God's Word, we've got to read it. We've got to look into it. There's another thing we've got to do. We've got to review it. We've got to review it. If we're going to reflect on God's Word like a mirror, we've got to review it. The second part of verse 25 says, and he continues in it. He continues in God's Word. This is called meditation. Now, when we say the word meditation, we're not talking about, you know, getting in the lotus position. Uh, we're talking about thinking about God's word. You all know how to do this. How many of you know how to worry? You ever worried about anything? Okay. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Worrying is when you take a negative thought and you think about it over and over and over and over and it consumes you. Meditation on God's word is where you take God's word and you think about it over and over and over and it consumes you. God wants us to meditate on his word, to review God's word. This is one reason why I give you guys outlines on Sunday. It's not just so you can take notes and follow along and stay awake during the message. It's so you can go home. You can look it over. You can put it in a folder. Put it in your Bible. I know, I know families in our church that review it together as a family. What was most meaningful to you? What are we going to do about it? Let's talk about this. Reviewing God's word. That's how you, you, you're blessed by it. You get more out of it. The psalmist in Psalm 119, 97 said this, Oh, how I love your instructions, your word. I think about them all day long. How many of you guys want to be successful in your life? You want to be successful? Okay. You want to be prosperous in every way? Listen to this verse. If you're a businessman, businesswoman, career person, you need to memorize this next verse, Joshua 1, 8. Joshua says, study this book of instruction continually. That's the Bible. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and, succe and succeed in all that you do. Man, that's a powerful promise right there. When we think about God's word, we review God's word. Let me ask you guys a question. Now be careful with how you answer this. How many of you guys believe everything you read in the paper, read on the internet, or Facebook? You believe all of it to be true. Would you raise your hand? Okay, I, don't, I don't see any hands up. That's wise. Okay? How many of you guys believe that this book is God's word and is 100% true and accurate and everything it says you can count on? Would you raise your hand? Okay, then, then we've got to ask, and my hand's up with you. We've got to ask ourselves this question. Then why do we spend more time reading things, looking at things, and paying attention to things that we don't even believe are true, then we do this book. We have to think about that's That's what James is saying. Think about it. Review it. Reflect on it. If we're going to reflect on it and be blessed, we've got to read it, we've got to review it, and then we've got to remember it. Verse 25, this, the last part of the verse says this. 
And he is not a forgetful hearer. In other words, he remembers God's word, but he's a doer of the work. And this one will be blessed in what he does. He's not a forgetful hearer. We remember God's word. We're talking about memorizing scripture. And some of you right now, I can just hear you groaning inside. Oh, I can't memorize. Um, I grew up in church and there was, for those of you that have a church background, you'll know what I'm talking about. Some of you won't, but I grew up in a, a program. It's kind of a Boy Scout, Girl Scouts for church. It was called Awana. Anybody else ever heard of Awana? Not marijuana, Awana. Okay, get that? There's a difference between those two. And Awana, the letters stood for approved workmen are not ashamed. It's based on 2 Timothy 2.15. And what we did in Awana was we memorized hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scriptures. And I, I, I went through like five books and I memorized hundreds of scriptures. And to this day, most of the scriptures that I quote to you guys, I memorized as a kid in Awana, and they've never left me. And i got to be honest with you guys. As I was preparing for this message in this point, God really convicted me. And I, and I felt God said, okay, Doug, yeah, you know a lot of Scripture you memorized as a kid, but when was the last time you memorized Scripture as an adult? Ah. Yeah, your pastor gets convicted too. And I really felt like God said, you know, you need to get back to that. Memorizing God's Word. If you're going to be blessed by God's Word, one of the best ways is to memorize it. Remember it. Commit it to memory. The psalmist in Psalm 119.11 said, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. Last week we talked about temptation. The best way to overcome temptation is to memorize God's word. And I know some of you are thinking, I can't memorize. But that's not true. We remember what is important to us, don't we? If it's important to us, if, if your boss says, okay, you know, I'm going to give you a 10% raise... If you memorize these things, you'll memorize them. We all have things memorized. Our phone numbers, passwords, street address, social security numbers. We can memorize if it's important to us. I, I read one study this week that i got to be honest with you. As a pastor, this depressed me. This was very depressing to me. I read a study that said that most people forget 95% of what they hear within 72 hours. That is so depressing for me to hear that. I work hard all week long to prepare these messages, and by Wednesday, you guys have forgotten 95% of the message. This is why I give you outlines so you can review. And we have to ask ourselves, do I value God's Word enough? And do I want to be blessed by God's Word enough that I'm going to read it? I'm going to review it. I'm going to remember it because James says these are the keys to the blessings of the Bible. We're blessed when we receive God's word, when we reflect on God's word. And then I save the best and most important for last. I must respond to God's word. Some of you thought I forgot verse 22 as we we're going verse by verse, but I saved it for last. James says, and this is really the theme verse of this passage and really the theme verse of the book of James, we could say. James says, but be Doers, everybody say doers. doers, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because when you do that, he says you're deceiving yourselves. If we just hear God's word, but we don't do God's word, we're deceiving ourselves. We're blessed by God's word when we act on it, when we live it out, when we practice it, when we do what it says, when we just do it. This is the original Nike commercial. They got it from the Bible. James says just do it. You're not going to be blessed just because you hear it and you know it. You're going to be blessed when you do it, when you apply it to your life. 
I mean, what good is a mirror that James has used as an illustration if you're looking in the mirror but you don't make any improvements? You don't make any adjustments. And James says to be a hearer of the word and not a doer is self-deception. We're kidding ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves if we think we're going to be blessed by God's word just because we hear it, but we don't do it. How are we deceived by it? One way we're deceived is we think we are growing spiritually just because we hear and know more of God's word and we know a lot of content and we're gaining information, but we don't do anything with it. It's the seduction of seminars. I went to a seminar, got the book, went on my shelf, got that down. But do we really? You have this in your notes, get this. The test of maturity is not information, but transformation. That's the true test of spiritual maturity. It's not more information, it's more transformation. This is one of the challenges we face with our discipleship ministry here at Orchard Church. A lot of, sometimes people get into discipleship because they want to learn more of God's word. And that's great. We should want to learn more of God's word. But then what we learn, we need to apply to our life. It's not, discipleship here at Orchard Church isn't just so you can know more about the Bible and know more theology and know more doctrine and impress your friends with all your Bible knowledge. It's so that we can be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Can I have an amen? amen. And sometimes people think, well, discipleship is just, I just get to gain more Bible knowledge. We know the true test of discipleship, if somebody's got it, is because once they're discipled, they're willing to do something with it and disciple somebody else. Because disciples make disciples. We reproduce reproducers. We're not looking for people we can just shove more Bible knowledge into their life. We're looking for people who can give them Bible knowledge so they can be doers of the word and not just hearers of God's word. Are, you, are we putting into practice what we know is what James is saying. I'm going to make a statement that's a bold statement and applies to all of us, including the person up here flapping his gums. We all know a whole lot more spiritual truth than we're probably putting into practice. We all do. We all know a whole lot more spiritual truth of what the Word of God says than probably most of us are putting into practice. It's not so much today about knowing more, it's about doing more. And you know, because we're a, a church that's known in our community, and we thank God for this, that if you want to know the Bible, go to Orchard Church. They teach the Bible. You know, every Sunday it takes center stage. They go verse by verse. We do books of the Bible. Um, we have discipleship where people grow in the Bible, small group, you know, grow in the Bible. We're known in our community as Orchard Church is a place to learn the Bible. And, and praise God for that. Amen? But we don't want to just stop there. We don't want to just be known as a church where you learn the Bible. We want to be known as a church where we do the Bible. And sometimes we'll have people say, they've been in our church, and they hear our messages, and they go through discipleship, and they go through Bible studies, and then they come to us and they say something like this, I just want to go deeper. I just want to go deeper. And the first thing I want to say to them is, then go deeper. You have a Bible? You've been discipled? Go as deep as you want. But a lot of times what's sad is, and I'm just sharing my heart and being real honest and real with you guys this morning, where Orchard Church is at on, on the Bible, because we're all about the Bible. And, and sometimes those very same people that say, I want to go deeper, you look at their life and they're not serving, they're not tithing, they're not sharing their faith, they're not bringing anybody to church, they're not discipling, they're not in a small group, and a lot of times their attitude quite honestly stinks. But they want to go deeper. And you know what they're like? A Christian sponge. 
You know what happens when you take a sponge and you fill it with water and you don't squeeze it out before you put it on the counter? It begins to stagnate and it begins to sour and it begins to stink. You ever been around Christians like that? Oh, they know a whole lot about the Bible. But their attitude stinks. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8.1, knowledge of the Bible alone puffs us up. Just makes us arrogant and egotistical and prideful. And nobody wants to be around somebody like that. I don't. You can say amen. It's okay. Unless you're sitting next to that person, then maybe you do. I don't know. Hopefully you're not. You see, impression without expression leads to depression. God wants us to do something with his word. And when we're hearers but not doers, we're deceiving ourselves. Another way we deceive ourselves is this way. If all we do is gain more Bible knowledge and hear God's word and study God's word and do all these things, but we don't do anything with it, you know the Bible says knowledge increases accountability. We're responsible for the more we know. The more we know, the more we're responsible for what we know. Jesus said it this way, to whom much is given, much is Required. It's dangerous if all we're going to do is know more about the Bible, but we're not going to do anything with it. We're accountable to that. James is going to tell us later, he who knows to do good but doesn't do it, it's a sin. We're deceiving ourselves. It'd be kind of like this. I've told you guys many times, your pastor is not a handyman. I'm not a good fixer. I'm not good with tools. I inherited a bunch of tools from my dad. He was an electrician by trade. He knew that stuff. Um, I have a bunch of tools. I have no idea what they're for or what, what, how to even use them. I'm dangerous. But let's say I want to put a deck on my, on my house. I want to I build a new deck on. But I don't know how to build a deck. And so one of you says, now pastor, I know you need a little help. Now what would be great is you'd come build a deck for me. But anyway, let's say you bring me a book. You bring me a book on deck building. And you say, here is a how-to manual on how to build a deck on your house. If you will read this and study this and apply this, you, will, you can do it. I mean, it's, it's deck building for dummies. I'm in. So I get this book, and I read this book, and I study this book. I read it several times. I even take portions of it, and I memorize it. And I highlight it in the book. And I cut portions of the book out and I put it on my refrigerator and my mirror so I can think about it. And I even have some of my friends over and I say, hey, we're going to have a small group about deck building. And we're going to talk about how to build a deck. And I'm going to teach you guys what I know about deck building. And I do all this. And then you come over to my house to see my new deck. And you go and you look and you go, where's the deck? I'm like, nah, I never did that. <laughs> never built it. I deceived myself. Isn't that exactly what a lot of people do with the Bible? They read it, they study it, they memorize it, and all this stuff, and they know it, but they don't do. They're hearers, but not doers. Just because we know something doesn't mean we act on it. I, I want to explain to you guys my teaching style. It's, it's on purpose. I, I know I've had many times people at our church say, you know, really appreciate the messages because I, you always bring them down to a level where I can understand them. That is by design, guys. My, my goal when I study for these messages is not so I can come in here and impress you with my Bible knowledge, doctrine, and theology. My responsibility is to teach you what the Word of God says and make it so clear that you can do something with it. That's by design. So you can apply it to your life. What good is coming here and hearing a message if you can't apply it to your life, if you can't apply it to your marriage, your family, your finances, your situations, your problems? Because I want you to be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer of God's word. 
heard a story about a man who was running late to church one day. And he came in and he was running really late and he said to the usher at the door, he said, is the sermon done? And the very wise usher said to him, it has been preached, it is yet to be done. What a great statement. Are we doing what we're hearing? You know, Orchard Church has a reputation as a church, like I said, that, that teaches God's word, studies God's word. But I hope that we'll have a different reputation that even goes a step farther. That we're a reputation of church that those people are serious about God's word because they live God's word. Amen? Amen? That we put it into practice, that it changes our lives, that it makes a difference. We don't want the word of God to just be taught. We want it to be caught. We don't want it to just be received. We want it to be responded to. That's what James is talking about here. Being doers of the word and not just hearers. We want people to, to look at Orchard Church and say that's where they practice God's word. You've heard of the translation of the Bible, the living Bible? We should be living Bibles as a church. People see the word of God lived out in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. You know, there's a lot of debate among some churches and Christians about what... We have so many different translations of the Bible today. It can be confusing. And there's good ones and bad ones. I'm going to tell you guys right now, you might want to write this down. The best translation of the Bible. I'm going to declare it right here this morning at Orchard Church. The best translation of the Bible. Are you ready? Here's the best translation of the Bible. The best translation of the Bible is when you translate it into your life and it changes you. That's the best translation. That we're doers of the word and we're not just hearers. You know, and I appreciate, you know, you guys are so gracious, the, the positive comments about the messages you hear at Orchard Church. You know, hey, that was a great message, great message. And I, I appreciate that. But you know what I appreciate even more is when you guys share your testimony with me how you applied something you heard in a message. Man, you, you talked about temptation last week, Pastor Doug. That really helped me this, this last week to overcome some temptation. You, you talked about serving, and now I'm serving. Tell me how you're applying, what you're doing with God's Word. That's where the real blessing is when we act on it, when we put it into practice in our life. You see, the simplest definition of maturity is to be a doer of God's Word, not just to hear. That we respond to it. I'm going to say it again. Every single one of us in this room know probably a whole lot more spiritual truth than we are practicing. The Bible says, we know these things. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. How are you doing with that, man? We know, ladies, the Bible says, wives, respect your husbands. How are you doing with that? We know the Bible says we're to serve. We know the Bible says we're to tithe, we're to give, we're to share our faith, we're to be with other believers in small groups, to fellowship. We, we know we're supposed to make disciples. We know we're supposed to be saved and accept Jesus. We know that once we're saved, we're supposed to be baptized. The Bible says that. We know that we're supposed to keep sin out of our life. We know, that, we know those things, don't we? But how are we responding? What are we doing with it? James closes out this chapter, the last two verses, with three illustrations of genuine Christianity, of people who do God's word and don't just hear God's word. I'm not going to go into detail on these because James goes into detail on all three of these in the next couple of chapters. But he says, if you want to know if you're really a doer of God's word and not just a hearer, here's three things you do. Verse 26, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. He says, a doer of God's word has a controlled mouth. And we're going to get into that. 
in the next couple of chapters. Verse 27, he says, A doer of God's word, they have pure and undefiled religion before God. And the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. A, a person who's a doer is a, has a caring heart, he says. We're going to get into that, caring about other people. We'll talk about that next week, how to treat other people. And then he says, here's a third thing. Someone who does God's word and doesn't just hear it, they have a clean mind. He says, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Three things we're going to go into detail later that are prevalent of those who are doers of God's word and not just hear of God's word. Now, before you just pack up and zone out on me, hang on. I hear it. I see it. I filled in my last blank. We're done. Broncos, come on at two. Let's go. Let's just settle for a second. Okay? Let's just be calm. And let's really honestly ask ourselves, all of us, what are we doing with what we already know of God's Word? What are you going to do about this message today in relation to God's Word? We have it, but are we being blessed by it? For some of you, you need to maybe decide today, I need to do a better job of receiving God's Word. I'm going to start preparing my heart better when I come to church or do my quiet time or go to discipleship. I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to calm myself. I'm going to pray. Some of you maybe you need to decide, I'm going to do a better job of reflecting on God's Word. I'm going to read God's Word. I'm, going to, I'm not just going to quickly glance at it. I'm going to gaze at it. Some of you maybe need to make the decision, I'm going to read through the Bible. I've never read through the Bible. There's an app called YouVersion. It's a great app. It's got all kinds of Bible reading plans to read through the Bible or, or passages during the day. I had a, a man just this morning. He had no idea what my... Our topic was today, and he said, hey, I just want to tell you, Pastor Doug, he said, I finished the Bible all the way through last week. For the first time in my life, I read through the entire Bible. Maybe that's something you need to do so you can reflect on the Word of God better. Maybe you need to memorize, like I do, memorize more Scripture. Maybe you need to start reviewing your outlines with your family or at home on your own after so, you, so we can be blessed by God's Word, and then we all can do a better job of responding. Amen? Amen. Responding to God's Word. Applying what we already know so we're doers and not just hearers of God's word. Now listen, I want to close with this. I was talking to someone in our church just a, a couple of weeks ago. And this person was sharing their life story. They were sharing their testimony with me. I don't think they realized at the time what they were doing, but they were sharing their testimony. And, and this person was saying how they, they grew up in church. And they heard God's word Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They heard it, but they said they, they didn't really receive it. They didn't really listen to it. They grew up in a, a kind of a difficult home environment. You could say abusive environment. And so they were, they were completely closed off to God's word. They got out of their home and then they went on with their life. They didn't go to church. They didn't have anything to do with God. You know, lived a pretty promiscuous lifestyle. Didn't really want to have anything to do with God. And then they started a family, had some children, and God intervened in their life through their children and got them into church here at Orchard Church. And they started coming to Orchard Church. And this person said, you know, at first, I didn't really want to hear the message. I didn't want to hear God's word. I, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I was kind of just coming from my kids, basically. And then, little by little, God began to speak to this person's heart and begin to soften their heart. And they begin to listen to God's word. And they begin to hear God's word. And they begin to receive God's word. And they said, you know, I couldn't come to church without crying almost every service. And basically, what this person was saying is God's word never changed. But I changed. My heart changed. My attitude changed. And now today, this person and their entire family is receiving tremendous blessings from this book. And that may be some of you. 
Maybe it's time for you to open your heart and your life and to really receive God's word because the blessing of the Bible comes only when we start living the Bible, that we're doers of God's word and not just hearers. Would you bow your heads with me, with your heads bowed for just a moment, an attitude of prayer. I want to ask all the believers this morning, I know you want to be blessed by God. You want to be blessed by his word. Are you receiving it? Are you reflecting on it? And are you responding to it? And how many of you believers would say, if I'm honest this morning, God has, God has convicted me this morning. I could do a better job of being blessed by God's word. And there's some decisions I need to make. Would you slip up your hand for prayer all across this auditorium? God bless you. Thank you. Hands are in every section. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that every one of us here at Orchard Church would be doers and not just hearers of your word. That we would be, be, that we would be blessed by what we do and what we apply. We don't want to be a church that's just known, that teaches the Bible. We want to be a church that's known where we live the Bible, that we're living Bibles, that our translation is that it translates into our lives and it changes us. And then we will be blessed by your word. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that's how you need to respond today. Maybe you know the Bible, but do you know Jesus? And if you've never invited Jesus into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's and you can invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And that's how you need to respond to God's word today. You need to be saved. You need to have your sins forgiven. You can have eternal life today. Now listen, this isn't a magic prayer. It's not magic words. But the Bible says if you put your faith and belief behind this prayer and you believe in Jesus, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. If that's you today, if God's speaking to you and saying, you know what, it's time to invite me into your life, would you pray this prayer with me and I'll help you. It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me to pay for my sins. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, I want to personally pray for you and your walk with Jesus as you grow in the days ahead. Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium just real quick if you prayed that prayer of faith for the first time? God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, I, I prayed to receive Jesus today for the first time. I responded to him. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those that have received you for the first time today. I pray they would grow in the grace and knowledge of you and they grow in their relationship with you through your word as they apply your word to their life. Thank you for their decision today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank God for his word this morning for decisions? Amen. If, if you made a decision to receive Christ today, please let us know about that on your connection card. You can drop that on the offering bucket as it goes by. We'll receive our gifts in just a moment. If you're a first-time guest here at Orchard Church, thank you so much for being our guest today. Hope you filled out your connection guest card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by as well. Let's stand as we close in response of worship and song and worship through our giving. God bless you guys for being here today.